Shalom. Thank you for listening to this podcast. I am Shmuley Yanklowitz, President and Dean of Valley Beit Midrash. Here at VBM, we strive to bring you only the highest quality of Jewish learning. Bringing pluralistic and innovative Jewish programming to the Jewish community that craves substance and insight is our passion. But we cannot do it alone. To support our endeavors, please consider donating a tax-deductible contribution to our organization. By doing so, you will be supporting meaningful Jewish educational content, funding the next generation of leaders, as well as furthering Jewish wisdom to people all over the country and all over the world. Please visit www.valleybatemadrash.org. Thank you so much and enjoy the program. It's great to be here today with Rabbi Tamar Elad Applebaum, who is the founder of Zion, an Eretz Israeli congregation in the holy city of Yerushalayim in Jerusalem, and the Beit Midrash for Israeli rabbis, developed in partnership with the Hartman Institute, with Midrashah at Oranim, and her work spans and links tradition and innovation, working toward Jewish spiritual and ethical renaissance. Rabbi, thank you for taking time to talk. Thank you. So let me ask you just from the beginning, I know this is a ways back, but what inspired you to go into the rabbinate and, and, to, and to establish your own congregation? So first I want to say that um, it's really a question about the past, but this walks with me every day in my present. It's my grandparents and Yerushalayim. I was born in Yerushalayim. I was born in the holy city of Yerushalayim to families and to grandparents who made Aliyah to Eretz Israel, to the state of Israel, to Medinat Israel. One side of my grandparents comes from Casablanca, the Buskila family. And one of the first things that my grandfather did was to build a, a Moroccan synagogue in Batyam called Marom Israel. And he was the Gabai for many, many years. And the other side uh, comes from uh, our survivors of the Holocaust, French Germans, the Serre family. And my grandfather was a Chazan, one of the last Chazanim, Ashkenazi Chazanim in France. Um, and they taught me that dreaming about Jerusalem starts when you arrive to Jerusalem. And they taught me that we walk to Jerusalem, we do pilgrimage, and it's not enough to arrive here. We have to gather all the exiles, all the different people, bring them together in this place, pray together for the sake of our country and for the sake of the quality of the people we are and use the language of Torah and do good deeds, masim tovim. And that was what I dreamed from a very young age. It was only natural for me. The only thing was I never thought I would be a woman rabbi. I came from an Orthodox family. Very nice, very inspiring. So how, how, how would you say your congregation is different from the typical Israeli synagogue in your neighborhood? Well, first I want to say it's becoming less and less different, and it's very important for me to say so. Um, we call it Eretz Israeli because the whole idea is to say that coming back, the return to Eretz Israel, is returning to ancient times in which we were together. We weren't separated. In Eretz Israel, there are many times you see Sfaradi synagogues, Ashkenazi synagogues, Tzionut Datit synagogue, and these kinds of synagogues. And we just want to come together. And so in our synagogue, when you come in to Kabbalat Shabbat, uh, you'll hear tunes from different places, different exiles, Galuyot, Tfutso, diasporas. You'll never know exactly where you are. We have, a, we have this principle that we want each one of us to be able to feel at least one time during the prayer that his grandfather or grandmother is sitting next to them. They could identify one thing of the tefillah, of the prayer that they came from. 
but they also, at least in one moment, could feel their granddaughter or grandchild sitting on the other side, identifying something from the future relevant to the time in which we are now. And we sit families, families together, as they did in Eretz Yisrael 2,000 years ago. And the, the people participate, and we have prayer leaders from all different exiles. And I think one of the most beautiful things is that it feels natural to everyone. And you can see sometimes a Haredi coming and sitting, and sometimes a Chiloni from a kibbutz who never sat before in a prayer sitting. And there's a feeling that this is how Am Yisrael should look like. I always say that Zion is like the picture or a capsula from the future. You sit in the future. Yeah. Wow. Very interesting. Um, I love that. I love that. Um, and that's complex, but so beautiful. So what are some of the challenges that are facing your congregation? And I don't know if this is the same question or different, but in general facing non-Orthodox Judaism in the state of Israel. Well, first it is a challenge. You know, I come from an Orthodox family and it was a challenge for me to study to become a rabbi. It was a challenge for my parents, for the parents of my husband. It wasn't natural. I never saw a woman rabbi in my life. So many Israelis still, for them, it's not something they know. And that only is a challenge. And I found myself many times when I did a bar mitzvah, even, or a bat mitzvah, even of the daughter of the mayor of Jerusalem back then, you know, the people looked at me and they needed a, a moment to adjust. But when they hear the language, they feel at home, I think. But there are many, many other challenges because many times the atmosphere in Israel uh, opens up to more and more possibilities. Um, and it wasn't easy to find a place for us uh, because it's not something that people know many times. But I think the most beautiful name of Hashem, of God, is Arichanpin, is patience. So we do things in patience. We always waited. And just now we came in after seven years, after being founded seven years ago, we came into a beautiful school called Geulim Redemption in Rehov Kibbutz Galuyot of the Gathering of the Exile Street. And uh, we now have a place in which we gather on Shabbat for prayer and we do good deeds and we study. And it, it, it means that even despite the fact that 20 years ago that was not common and I never met a woman rabbi, today it's already something that happens all around Jerusalem. And Zion is not only a private place, it works in the public sphere today. It's known, it has hundreds of participants, it participates in also formal um, things that happen here. And so this becomes a natural place for many people and for me and my family too. Yeah. Okay. Very nice. Wow. You know, and I love that. You know, we talk about halachta bedrachav, emulating God, and we often talking about rachamim and the like. Very important. But erech to think about to be slow, you know, be patient in our mission is is really something I'm going to think a lot about. So tell me, um, is the is the synagogue partially or fully egalitarian? Fully. Fully egalitarian. It's fully egalitarian. And, and just this past Shabbat, a woman who was been all her life in the Orthodox world, came with her children, and she agreed to lead Fila. And being on one side of prayer, always being led by her husband, her husband said to her, I'll be with the kids and you lead tonight. Wow. And it was one of the most beautiful moments. When we, have, we have many of those. Is the tefillah, is the tefillah uh, like a liberal liturgy or a traditional liturgy? 
traditional. Traditional. It's a very long prayer (laughs) because it has Shira Shirim like the Sfaradim and then it has, so it goes through everything and then it has Yadid Nefesh and it has a Hebrew song from the Kibbutzim so that a secular person feels at home too. It's long, it's beautiful, it moves around different tunes. Yeah. Uh, Very, very traditional. As you know, in American Jewish life, as you know, we have a huge spectrum like literally, like every little snippet. But, you know, people talking about Israel, they talk, okay, there's Haredi, there's Dati Leumi, and then there's the whole Sephardic world, and there's this new secular Bate Midrash. But this world of a traditional, egalitarian, inclusive, Ashkenazi, Sephardi world, is that, um, does it still have a long way to go? Or is there some traction that's kind of building up there? I think it has a long way to go. Um, what's subtraction? I don't even know the Sorry, words. Is there some momentum? Is there some uh, growth that's happening? That's uh, Or are we still at kind of a very early stage? No, it's, it's really, I mean, seven years after we started, we already have a language. And we feel that the language is really what our grandparents created before us. When I think about Shas even, and to go back to what we know, we are going back to what we know. You know, even many times I look around me and I say to myself, yes, my grandparents could sit here easily, especially my Moroccan ones. And I think for Sfaradi, the Sfaradi world that doesn't have Orthodox and Conservative and Reformi and all these names, for Sfaradi people, it's easy. This is what we do in our family many times. So the Sfaradi world here is a very significant component in what we do, and it opens up a door. But I also feel that here in Eretz Israel, we on the one hand celebrate pluralism, which was fairly new to us, to many of us. I grew up in a world that thought that there's one tree for Keren Kayemit. And suddenly I needed to learn that there are many, many different trees. There are at least seven species in Eretz Israel, in Medinat Israel, according to the Torah. And also to Jewish people, but it's not ideological. There's place for each family, for every person, and we stick together. We are a family, and keeping the family is the most important thing. And I want to say that this is what I see also in the rabbinic seminary, because the rabbinic seminary, if Zion is a, a little, in a nutshell, the future in Yerushalayim, which was chosen to be in Yerushalayim and called Zion because we're Zionists here in Yerushalayim, doing work that brings together people, brings together Jews, and also we meet other faiths, and it's important for us in the name of our Zionism. But in the rabbinic seminary, we create a network of these kinds of communities all around Israel, and these kinds of rabbis all around Israel, and there are many. We're not alone. I love it. I, I love it. Okay, last question for you. Um, okay. What... What would you say you see as your primary work in your spiritual leadership in the coming decade? When you think about your avodah, you think about, I don't know, it might be your personal work or it might be your, your public leadership work. What do you see as your charge for the next decade? Okay, wow. I think um, three things. Hope. I think the most important thing is hope. And I think this is what rabbis have done from generation to generation to give hope. It could be to a family going through a tough time. It could be to a people going through a tough time. It could be to the humanity and the human family, hope. The second thing is emunah, faith, which is really trust. We have to learn to trust each other, all denominations, all rabbis, all people. We are here to stay and we need each other. I need you 
for so many years in Israel, I didn't even know I had brothers in America in such a vibrant world. I need you. I'm a rabbi because of you. Because I learned that pluralism is a possibility, that a serious, joyful Judaism is a possibility. And so I think trust, faith, emunah, emun is very important. And the third thing I think is klal Israel is is our brotherhood. I think this is the most important thing to remember that we are one. We in Israel, now I'm sitting in Yerushalayim and you there. We are one. We're part of one body. And I feel it when something happens there to you. And you feel it when something happens here to me. And we might have differences and of thoughts. It doesn't matter. I want to feel that we are one. And I want to be Ariva. I want to vouch for you. I want us to stick together. And the state of Israel will go through a growth process to make sure that it has place for all Jews. And it welcomes all Jews. And it's there for all Jews. And we will do that for each other because we are one. I love it. So I love it. So I lied. Follow-up question. Klal Yisrael, very clear. I love it. Emunah, very clear. But when it comes to tikva, when it comes to hope, what do you root that in? Where do we get hope from? Right? Like what's the, what's, what are the shorashim or what's the makor like for how you think of where we draw hope from? You know, I think about the fact that in Yamim Nora'im, in the days of uh, in high holidays, so we say that Mizmor all the time from Psalms. We say, We say, Don't give up, don't give up. It's all about not giving up. We're now on our way to Hanukkah. It's all about knowing that we can't give up. The first thing that God does, Hashem does, in the Tohu Vavo, in the corruptedness of what could happen in the universe is to light a light and to say, this is what you're going to do. You're going to light a light, another and another, wherever you are, there's going to be a network of little lights all around the Jewish world. Tikva, the word hope in Hebrew comes from kav. It comes from connecting all the dots and giving the meaning when they become a line, when they become a picture. We are connectors of dots. We are a picture and it's very important. And knowing that I'm a dot without seeing yours and without connecting the line between us, that means I live in a world without hope. I don't want to be a dot. I want to be a line. I want to be tikva. Love it. I love it. Uh, well, um, this is so inspiring. Wishing you so much bracha and hatzlacha. Thank you so mm-hmm. much for your time. Tadarabah.